0: Hello everybody, welcome back to the next exciting, thrilling, out of this world episode of Talking Sports and Stuff and Things with Chuck. I am your host, ironically, Chuck, and I am joined, as always, by the one and only Mr. John Billick. John, how was your Super Bowl weekend?
1: You set Uh, the bar pretty high with that intro. (laughs) Well, I... uh, I like to just keep raising the bar. That's good. It's good. It keeps me motivated. Uh it was it was a good Super Bowl weekend. Uh nothing nothing really to uh to report back on just you know classic football watching. How about you? Yeah,
0: I mean, same. I mean, just kind of kick back, watch the Super Bowl, uh tried to uh go back and erase the part of our podcast last week where we said the 49ers were going to win. Yeah. Uh, <laughs>
1: but you also remember the the 7 8 minutes of us dancing along the fence of yeah not really sure you could go either way don't really care
0: right you know we, we didn't go the full 100% on of talking out of both sides of our mouth we only gave about a, we did about a 50% um kind of variation of that to kind of give us a little out like yeah we might have said niners
1: but remember we did say the chiefs are good so we did we made a prediction only cuz we thought we had to and we yeah. weren't, we weren't convinced of it and i kind of thought for a little bit there i thought we were right i right. thought we were going to be right we but, we uh very
0: well should have been right but yeah we probably should have been but you know it is what it is uh whatever it was a pretty so good I game, played the I game. you know i mean it was fun it was a cool game to watch it was good but i mean You know, we don't really need to dig too much into it. I don't need to rehash the game. It's already been several days since it's been over. Everybody's had their fill. We get it. Um, uh, uh, And because, honestly, by about Monday afternoon, um, I forgot that there was even a game played. Uh, I thought that all that happened was the TV turned on, a couple of women danced around, and then they turned the the TV off, and everybody lost their mind. Uh, That's what I thought happened if you listen to any sort of Radio, whether it be sports talk radio, uh, just national talk radio that isn't even sports related, social media. You would have just thought that there was a halftime show that, um, I don't know, just was the most offensive thing ever put on television, and then that
1: was it. I forgot there was a football game. Yeah, it was just like it was a televised concert. That, that, that was what 120 million Americans were watching.
0: <laughs> yes, like
1: uh, a and, four, I think it was 14 minutes it clocked in at. I mean... A 14-minute yeah, so concert, and the entire world is, is up in arms. Up in
0: arms. Um, I, I mean, my goodness. I know that we are uh, in the day and age of everyone being mad at everything, offended, whatever term you <laughs> yeah. I, I get it. I get it. But now we're even to this point. I mean, just this whole, what about the kids, man? Think of the kids. I mean, I can't believe they even have had school this week. They should have just canceled all schools for the week. <laughs> Kids should have been had to just you know been locked away. I mean, my goodness, they saw women somewhat scantily clad dancing around. I I can't believe we were able to go on. Close call, you know, pretty close call. I I don't know. I I was like I couldn't believe the reaction from that. I don't remember everybody being super mad about Adam Levine having his shirt off last year, or were they? Am I just misremembering?
1: That's a common uh, defense that I've seen this week as well. Um, yeah. It's, I, I'm at a loss for words on really how to respond. <laughs> I agree. Just because like, I, I think I summarized it as best I could in a text message to you. Um, if you were on one side of it, you had a certain opinion. And if you're on the other side of it, you had your certain opinion. And those were like the 5% of the world. Like if you were already, you know, on board with Galo and Shakira doing their thing and you were super supportive and you you would have, you you were in love with the situation. You were in love with the moment. Like, this is so awesome for, for women. This is so empowering and this is great that they get to be on the stage. If you were already on that side, you loved every second of it. And if you were already on the other side of, I can't wait to see what they do. That's offensive. Just so I can I can immediately go to my Facebook. I can immediately go to my Twitter. You, you already had your opinion set, right? That's true. And, and then there's the 95% of us in the middle that are like, they, they still got it. <laughs> right. J-Lo, J-Lo's 50. I think I saw Shakira's 43. Which like that – that was that blew me away. I just, They're like, still smoking really? hot. Like what the
0: <laughs> like what but I, I the only see I knew J-Lo was 50 just because, you know, it's kind of made a big deal of, you know, that right. she's 50 and she and well that's and it's all true, but I did not know Shakira was like basically the same age as me. I had I, no idea
1: either, honestly. No
0: idea. For some reason I just picture like I feel like she's just like 24 and that's just how old she'll be for all of time. I don't know. I <laughs> I, I don't really know how else to explain that, but I just, I, I was like, holy cow. So, but yes, to your point, th- they're still just amazing talking how they look, how they dance, still they sing,
1: all of it. They're still good, all of it. Yeah, they, they nailed it as far as I'm concerned. Like, and, and again, we're the, the the majority of us that are in the middle and that's where the truth always lies is somewhere in the middle. Right. It, it, it was a great performance. I mean, I'm not going to deny that. Like, I, I wasn't like, I need to watch the halftime show because it's J-Lo and Shakira. It's like, all right, you know, I'm going to watch because it's the Super Bowl halftime show. Everybody has to watch. Right. Um, but, yeah, they were still hot, and they were still dancing awesome. And, I mean, kudos to them for for doing that. I I, I have trouble walking up steps, <laughs> you know, and I'm in my right. early 30s. Right. Like, like, let's be real here.
0: <laughs> yeah, you got this fifty-year-old woman slinging from a pole by with one leg or whatever she was doing. Right. I mean,
1: kudos to them.
0: Yeah, I, I'm with you. I give them kudos. I can't. Ima- I can't believe everybody's so mad. And who really uh, like,
1: what? However, your opinion is, and I don't mean, to interrupt, but however your opinion is on the matter, what they were wearing is is the least of anyone's worries in that moment in time, right? It's it's 2020, like like if this was happening back in like the 1950s, yes. Like if it was Elvis, call 911, do it. (laughs) But yeah, like if it was Elvis Presley, Elvis Presley out there, they would have freaked out. There are far worse things that
0: could have been on display during that show. You ain't kidding, and especially for the fact that I just find it funny, like. So if you're talking about really young kids, I, I mean, who, you know, look, they're really, if you're talking like three, four years old, like whatever, if you're talking much older than that, almost any kid, I love the fact that I feel, and I don't know this, I don't have kids, but I feel like half of these people that are mad because it seems like all they're going, there's two cards they go to, right? The kids or, uh, you know, the the woman thing, right? Like it's, yeah, it's bad for which I, I, I think it's funny to leave out the part that the people dancing were two women who decided to do that. Like it, be mad at them. Don't be mad at me because a woman was dancing, I guess, sexually. But anyway, uh any kid who has a cell phone, which is all kids, if you don't think they, A, see worse than that on any day that they have their phone between social media, YouTube, whatever, like, you're crazy. I mean, have you ever seen a music video lately? Like, my goodness, just because Shakira was in the, the show there, lots of her videos were streaming on different social media sites. I mean – Every one of her music videos is her wearing less than that, dancing just like that. I mean, it wasn't like this was the first time we've ever seen this in our lives. I don't know. I've, like you said, I'm at a loss for words. I don't even know what else to say about it, to be honest with you.
1: Yeah, one of the, one of the best arguments I saw was uh, parents crying out saying that their kids were watching and, and you know, they they're so upset that it was so offensive. And, and the, the argument against that is, you are the parent. In this situation, you are the one that is supposed to teach your children what is and is not offensive. And if that's the stuff you're you're crying out for and saying that this was offensive, and this is how my child saw this or my children saw this, and they they thought this was offensive, it's like, all right, well then they're going to have a really difficult upbringing. <laughs> it's it's up if to this you. This is their low point. Yeah, as your as your parent like as a parent, it's probably up to you to say, all right, well, they're dancing. This is a, and a lot of it from what I read, and I'm not going to claim to know anything about this because I'm not that well-versed on it, but a lot of it was based on cultural dancing and cultural music um, because they were in South Florida, you know, a big, a strong Latina, Latino community. Right. Like a lot of it was based around that from what I understand. So if, if your immediate thought is this is offensive and this is, disrespectful and blah 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 you're you're essentially if if that's the case if it really truly is based on the the local cultural influence you're basically just denouncing that entire like <laughs> that that part like it didn't, it's it's do a little research <laughs> don't yeah. automatically if 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 you see someone dancing like that then like all right what's the context here is this truly offensive is this truly you know something that my children shouldn't be watching kind of use use the, the read the room <laughs> and, and make <laughs> like and make, you know and, when and, in rome right but it's the popular thing to do is is to say you know this is uh, a a scantily clad woman dancing on stage and using a pole as a prop and and you know eight, uh, two plus two automatically equals four She's a stripper and this is a, this is supposed to be a family show and this. and that. All right, chill out. Let's, let's, let's be intelligent, a human adults at this moment in time and really take the moment for what it is. But well, and, and if your kid,
0: and if your kid knows what a stripper is, then you've already failed anyway. So. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know. Touche. So, well played. Yeah. <laughs> so anyway. Enough of it. It was ridiculous. I had to bring it up, though, because I was just blown away. It was a fun um, show. It, it, it was it, – it was, I thought it was the least thing I – you know, if that's the worst thing that happens that offends anyone this year, then, man, 2020 is going to kick so much
1: butt. If you see, the... I texted you and Jen during that, and, and I thought that this was going to be, like, the worst thing that could have ever happened out of that halftime show. Is I said Shakira is better than uh, Lady Gaga.
0: Yes, I remember. Yes, you did say that. I
1: said that, and I thought that would have just that. I my life would have ended. I thought I would have. I would have. You know, done enough wrong to to get the world against me. (laughs) Oh my gosh! Whatever. Yeah, whatever. Glad we survived. (laughs) We we survived. We
0: did. We luckily just by the skin of my teeth, I made it out of that. So good. Anyway, football season is over. We wrap up another one. Guess what that means? Officially, Monday morning. The Browns have a chance to make the playoffs again. So here we go. I'm ready. I'm excited. Uh, I actually just got my – I literally got my season ticket renewal email today. Got it today. <laughs> and I haven't pushed the button yet because, man, it's a lot of money to get those tickets, man. Yeah. <laughs> so, But uh, nonetheless, I mean, speaking of uh, the Browns, of course, with the season being over and a new season coming up, we have to at least touch on just a couple things uh, since last we spoke of the Browns, one being, um, we finally got a, uh, a GM, we finally got a GM, uh, Andrew Barry officially named the, uh, GM for the Cleveland Browns coming back after his stint here with, uh, as we all know, we were one and 31 while he was here. So that just means we're just going to go one and 31 again, because that's all that can possibly happen according to everyone. Um, nobody cares the fact that he was with the Eagles and and they were winning and the, the Panthers were trying to pry him away from the Eagles yet. He chose us, but nobody cares about that. We're just going to stink because, well, I don't even know why, because, but I personally am fine with it. Uh, this is the first time the Cleveland Browns are going to be totally aligned from top to bottom. Uh, nobody from an old regime to try to push the old way. No one from the new, new regime, butting heads with them. Uh, no GM and coach, uh, have to go through one season of fighting. So then we can fire one or the other to then him hire one. And then we fire one or the other, the next, this is the first time we're ever bringing in a clean state slate, top to bottom. Everybody is on the exact same page. Now, if you want to disagree with that page, because you say it's the analytic page, like we've already talked about, that's fine. That's your right. The Browns have stunk. Everything Jimmy Haslam has done has not been good. Fine. I I let you question his methods, but I know we talked about not being excited, being, not being sad, taking it for what it is. I'm excited. That's all I can say. I'm excited <laughs> and I'm I'm back on board and I'm already feeling myself getting excited for next football
1: season. Where do you well, stand that, on? That your... didn't take long. No, it doesn't um, take long. I'm the no, a, it, it doesn't for us. We're, 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 uh, yeah, we're, we're victims of, of it every year and, Victim's a good uh, I was, word. I was trying to find the right word in that moment. but
0: <laughs> That's I pretty guess, good.
1: <laughs> um, no, I mean, I'm okay with the, uh, the, the Andrew Berry hire. I'm a little bit more reserved than you are, but that's not saying I'm not excited. Um, I'm just, again, on the, like I said with Kevin Stefanski, I'm on the wait-and-see approach. Mm-hmm. Um, I also think that his experiences from the 1-in-31 era will – It'll get him to make decisions a different way now that he's the not only the the guy in charge in that role, but you know it, people tend to focus on the one and thirty one and say, well, this is how he did things before, so this is how he's automatically going to do things they they were pretty as as much as they kind of held things you know behind closed doors about the quote unquote tanking like they won 't ever say they tanked but of course we know for a fact they did because not only the record, but the way that they put players on the field and the way that they tried to accumulate assets. And so everyone automatically assumes that's the case again, because Andrew Barry's in charge and because Paul D Podesta has got, you know, the, the voice or the ear of, of Jimmy Haslam. And, and this is how they're going to handle things because they're all in charge. This is completely different than 2015, 2016 in that era, era, era because, that there was no talent on the team back then. There's None. talent now. So, the, the problem with the team back then was there was no talent and they were trying to accumulate the assets in order to acquire talent, which is something that they put, they tasked John Dorsey to do and, and some other uh, executives between then and now. Uh, they tasked them to accumulate the talent with those assets, which they did very well. Now, again, we, we're we both John Dorsey guys, so it's it's a little weird to, to look at it that way. But I think Andrew Barry is going to take the role of asset accumulation in the past, and he's going to turn that into talent acquisition now. And I think he's going to take that very, very seriously. So, like, I have all the, the reason in the world to believe he's going to do the right thing. Like, I don't think he's going to trade back a million times in order to get first-round picks, first-round picks, first-round picks. Because the way the roster's built now, they're prepared to win. Correct. So, like in the past, they were not prepared to win. They had, they had missed on so many picks. They had missed on so many trades or so many free agent signings that it was like, you got to tear it down to the studs. The way Sashi Brown said it was, it had to go. And that's exactly what they did. But then they've built with Miles Garrett, Baker Mayfield, Jarvis Landry, Odell Beckham Jr., Nick Chubb, David Njoku. I mean, they've, they've, put pieces in there and I think Andrew Barry sees that and I think he sees that the the long game so to speak that they started back in 2016 2015 whenever that era really started it's really coming to fruition and this is the kind of this is the time to harvest really and it's it's comforting to know that he can possibly see it through right yeah like, absolutely he, he's the one who who was? I mean, I, he's not V one. I mean, we know Sashi, we know Paul De Podesta. They were the ones that were essentially calling the shots. But Andrew Barry was in. He was in the mix the whole time. He knew exactly what the plan was. And yeah, he had to. He, he left for a year, and but he acquired a lot of talent or a, a lot of knowledge in that year away with Philly. I, I have I have a lot of faith in him. I'm just also in a. Tempered expectations, like all right, let's wait and see. Let's let's see if they can piece it all together the right way, and and hopefully uh, see it through. Like I said,
0: yeah, uh, I'm with you. I mean, it's definitely a wait and see, but I feel like all of a sudden it's this is the weirdest Browns offseason ever when it comes to that approach. And again, it's early; the off season's five minutes old. So you know, <laughs> let, let's give it till you know. Let's wait till we get to. The draft or just after the draft and we'll kind of see how everybody feels then but this is one of the worst that I can remember in the offseason where every fan is kind of has that approach they're all just either saying yeah whatever don't care uh we'll wait and see or they're just spitting the I mean there's always the negativity we know that but it seems really bad right now and I guess I guess maybe I'm again I'm jumping the gun which isn't out of the ordinary.
1: So. Well, no, it's, it's, it's cool to see like that. You're, I mean, this is how we always seem to be right. At this point, we get these new people that come in. We get so excited about their resumes that it's like this, it's going to be different this time. It's going to be different this time. And that's how, and, and if you still feel that way, that's awesome. Like it's, it's great to have that kind of optimism. And I, of course I'm optimistic. Like I'm, I'm definitely hopeful. You know, I'm, I'm not far behind you. I just, It may be the fact that, like, it didn't, I don't want to go off topic just yet, but, like, looking at the Cavs situation, looking at what the Browns just did last year, like, we we hired these new people to run these programs, run these teams based on their resumes, and we were so excited that they were going to, because of their resumes, because of what they had done, because of how they did things, we were like, yeah, this is going to work perfectly. Just plug this type of person in here these things are going to pick up the way that that they should because of these individuals. Right. Like, and I don't want to go too deep on the casting because we'll talk about that later, but you know, the way John Beeline coaches, I'm like, yeah, this is perfect for this team. Well, it's not really working out so well. Right. (laughs) Right, right. And like the Freddie kitchens experiment, it's like they could just roll that, that chemistry that they already had. This is going to be great. Like they're just going to build off of that. The problem is, is you don't know what they're going to do when you know, for lack of a better term, the bullets start flying. So that's why I've sort of started, you know, pumping the brakes a little bit on these things because, yes, we know exactly what their history is. We know what they're capable of doing. We know what, what they want to do and what they've sold uh, to to get the jobs that they have. But it's also, are they going to do that? <laughs> and, no, right. And recent experience has told us they're not going to do what we thought they were going to do. And. Well, that's sort of a, a punch in the
0: gut, so to speak. Well, maybe that's why I'm so optimistic already and so happy that everybody hates everything so much that that just means maybe we finally got it right.
1: I don't. I mean, you know what? I think I said that um, draft night, 2018, when uh, they took Baker and Denzel Ward one and four. Hmm. I think my first thought was everybody hates this, so it's probably a good thing.
0: Yeah, it's probably the best movie have ever So, made.
1: yeah, I mean, if if that's the trend, let's I'm on board. Let's go. Yeah.
0: Yeah, I'm on board with that. So, um so anyway, so then I mean just to, to kind of wrap up the Browns for now uh, until we start talking draft. The last question I personally have about the Browns is this. So, as we sit right here today, February the 6th, the season being 5 minutes old and the the off-season just getting here right now. In your opinion, are the Browns closer to six
1: and ten or ten and six? They're so so much closer to ten and six. They were a ten and six team under Freddie Kitchens, except for Freddie Kitchens was the coach.
0: Correct. I totally agree with that. I and, and, and we've
1: hammered that point down too many times to to, yeah. to go gloss that's over again. But that's they, they were, they, yeah, they were they were a ten and six team last year at the bare minimum. Um, If they had a competent head coach and it's it's a shame that we didn't see it as early as we should have, or we were ignoring things. Um, But this team hasn't, I mean, it's going to lose pieces. Obviously that's how every off season goes. Um, They're going to gain a couple pieces here and there for sure. Um, Whether it balances out, who knows? Uh, But I think that they are, a good coach from being 10 and six at the bare minimum for this upcoming season.
0: Yeah. Uh, and I totally agree. And I, I agree with everything you just said. I don't even need to rehash it. I definitely think we're closer to 10 and six. And six then and we
1: could, t- we could touch on it for just a moment probably, but um, the, uh, the hiring of you have to give me his first name, but Va- is it Van Pelt?
0: Yeah. Uh,
1: Andy Van Pelt, Andy Van, Van Pelt, Pelt. Uh, the new offensive coordinator and, questionably the uh quarterbacks coach right um yeah it it, I've heard only great things about the guy and and everyone wants to to discredit him because he was Cincinnati's quarterbacks coach for the last couple years because I mean that's how that's how everybody makes their their decisions right of course my opinion is based on the fact that he was with a terrible team for the last two years all right, whatever. You know, you can you can choose to see it that way. I choose to ask other people and and see people's um who who have you know, opinions or that are knowledgeable in it. I mean, one of the opinions I've gotten is from a good friend John. You know John. Of course. Um, uh he's a huge Packers fan. Um uh and and Van Pelt was Aaron Rodgers' quarterback's coach not what 3 years ago, 4 years ago? Um, he was his quarterback's coach for a decent amount of time. And, and I asked John about it and he said, um, I'm not going to use the, the language, but he said he blanking loved him. <laughs> and it was because Aaron Rod, Aaron Rodgers was upset when the Packers let him go.
0: I remember that.
1: I, so, I mean, story, it, Aaron Rodgers is a, he doesn't like anybody by all accounts, <laughs> And he liked sure. this guy enough to be upset at the organization, or at least at Mike McCarthy, for firing this guy or for letting him go uh, um, without extending him. So uh, everyone wants to point to the Bengals thing. Yeah. The Bengals have been terrible the past couple of years. So what they, they, they've had, you know, Andy Dalton and a slew of, of backup quarterbacks playing and they've won some games. They beat us with, you know, Andy Dalton this year. It, you know, people are just peopling and
0: <laughs> always peopling so hard.
1: And again, and, and, and again, we can't just look at the resume and be like, yeah, this is going to be great because, you know, Baker's going to have a guy. This is going to be awesome. It, it may work perfectly, but it also may backfire. It's just a yeah. matter of, of letting it play out instead of having an opinion of knowing, or I take that back instead of pretending like, you know exactly how it's going to go based on what's happened in the past.
0: Right, especially that, like you said, with just because he was with the Bengals, because I heard the same thing about the Green Bay thing. Matter of fact, today the um and I forget the fellow's name they were talking to on the radio. He called he called Andy Van Pelt. He called him the Aaron Rodgers Whisperer. <laughs> this is how he referred to him. So uh, he's given this guy a
1: lot of credit for Aaron Rodgers' success. So if that's if that's if we even get half of that for Baker Mayfield, yeah. I'm okay. Correct. Instead, everyone's like, oh, he was Andy Dalton's quarterback coach. Yeah,
0: well, whatever. Yeah. whatever. Maybe Andy Dalton just isn't good. I don't know. But I thought he did. I mean, Andy Dalton actually is kind of good. He just kind of gets knocked, But in my opinion. But that's a whole other conversation. So, anyway, good. So, I mean, look, Brown season, everybody's season's over. We'll get to the draft and the Browns soon. Uh, There shouldn't be anything else to talk about with the Browns for a little while. We finally hired everybody. Uh, No one's getting fired. We should be okay for a little bit. So um, as you had already alluded to, we'll move on to a a season that's actually taking place right now, which is the basketball season, the NBA basketball season. And Cavaliers uh, do pull off a trade today at the trade deadline after it kind of looked like they weren't going to do anything. I kind of thought nothing was going to happen. Uh, and then I started getting the news just as you had texted me. I, I started seeing it about uh, the Andre Drummond trade, trade happening. Where, yeah, I mean, obviously that's a salary dump by the Pistons. I suppose. I mean, we give up Brendan Knight, uh,
1: John Benson, and a,
0: and a second 20, round
1: pick, a second round pick in twenty twenty
0: three. Yeah. So they basically just traded me and like this half a bottle of water I got left and we got a really good basketball player. Yeah. Um, So
1: I I actually read an article, uh, before the call, before we hopped on, um, uh, Terry Pluto shout out that everybody should read for Cleveland stuff, Cleveland sports stuff. Um, I know you have a number of followers and and friends that choose other sources. Um, (laughs) I would highly recommend Terry Pluto from the, from cleveland.com, the plane dealer. He, He knows how to keep it real. Um, but anyway, I read it cuz I was still confused. Like I've been trying to figure it out myself. I got friends texting me like, "Why did they trade for Andre Drummond?" like, "Why did they not trade Tristan? Why did they not trade Kevin Love?" Like, "What what's the plan here?" Um, so based on Terry Pluto's article and and you know, I trust him as much as anybody, it is a no-risk, no uh high reward move for the Cavs because um well, for if the Cavs and the Pistons, frankly, um, because Andre Drummond's contract, he's a he has a player option following this season. Right. The Pistons were not sure if he was going to pick that up, and they, based on Terry Pluto's discussions, they did not want him to pick it up. They the the as bad as the Cavs are playing right now, I think I saw their record just like thirteen and thirty eight. Um, the Pistons have only won nineteen games. So their season, they're basically punting on their season. Right. And a lot of their money is, is tied up in Blake Griffin. So they're trying to get rid of Drummond just to get out of this contract. And they hoped that even if they kept him, he was going to opt out um you know when the season came to an end. Uh the Cavs have the flexibility to allow him to opt in, is is from what I understand. So if if after the season Andre Drummond decides I want this twenty some odd million dollars I'm about to make next year, I'm just going to opt in and play in Cleveland for another season. Cavs can take that on and be fine, and then they can maybe shop him next off or next trade deadline. You know, so it's that that kind of move is sort of in the in the forefront. But currently, they're like the worst case scenario according to Terry Pluto is that they win a few extra games and they lose a few lottery balls. They they could develop some type of chemistry. They could develop some type of culture in that locker room. He thinks that that could create some some good habits out of some young players that have seemed to be getting lazier or don't seem to have the right uh, NBA style going. So I I mean I have no reason to doubt any of that because one I can't watch enough cats games to like I, I just physically can't. So I don't know all the 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 things that. I have an idea of what's going on and what's wrong with this team. But obviously I don't watch enough to, to know the way I like can pinpoint things with the Browns. Um, so, you know, maybe throwing Andre Drummond in that lineup is going to result in a few more wins, but it might also result in a few, you know, Colin Sexton and Darius Garland and Chetty Osman. And these guys actually picking up their games maybe doing things that they didn't know that they were capable of doing with someone on the floor. That's, that's sort of a, a presence. Like, I'm not saying that Kevin Love or Tristan Thompson haven't earned that. It's just that the, the, the way that the team has been playing, it's it's as if they want to run it through these young guys and maybe Andre Drummond kind of cuts that short. I don't know. Yeah. I, I... I'm not sure either.
0: I mean, I watch a decent amount of Cavs games. I mean, I watched them just, uh, I mean, last night's game. They, sh- they they lose so many games in the last, like, seven minutes of the fourth quarter. It, it's ridiculous. Um, I mean, there's definitely, like, there's no lack of hustle or trying. I mean, they're out there. They're still getting excited. I mean, my goodness, um, Kevin Love had an outlet outlet pass last night to – to Chetty Osman. Chetty caught it and threw an alley-oop to Kevin Porter, which that's – if you want to be excited about a player, that's a player to be excited about.
1: And I was just Ke- going to say Kev-
0: that. I mean, Kevin Porter throws down this alley-oop dunk. I mean, it's just amazing dunk. Now, remember, what? how many games say they have? won 13, right?
1: Yeah, I think that's what I saw.
0: Yeah, so they have 13 wins. They threw on this alley oop in the fourth quarter where it looked like they were probably they were in the way to win this game. And I mean, they were going nuts. Kevin Love's chest bumping people. I mean, and that's how they've been. I mean, these games they play like that. Uh, they just don't have enough talent to win uh, when it comes down to it. Uh, they're missing some key pieces. One being a rim protector. I can't tell you how many times a guy just gets to the hoop uh, for an easy layup. I mean, it happens twenty times a game. Because uh, they don't have any rim protection in there, uh, especially if Tristan Thompson's out of the game. My goodness. <laughs> so, um, and Drummond's a much better rim protector than Tristan Thompson. I mean, there's you know no no two ways about it. Yeah, we so- can talk
1: about that now. That that you know the past God, how long's it been? Ten, twelve years of, of NBA basketball has been about spreading the floor and just the small ball lineups, right? Right. You know, your tallest guy on the floor is a six six power forward hybrid. You know, he's a guy who can shoot threes and maybe the Cavs are trying to, to bring back the old days, like in the eighties and nineties, like that we grew up watching that we'd love to see, you know, clog the paint with, with giant dudes and not let people get to the bucket and throw elbows. You know, let's maybe we'll see that. Cause you see if, if, if we can project the starting five for the Cavs after this trade, Andre Drummond's your center, Tristan Thompson's your power forward. Kevin Love's your small forward. At I six, think
0: I think Tristan Thompson's going to be moved to the bench.
1: At 6'10", though, Kevin Love could be playing the small forward. Oh, he,
0: he could.
1: And then I think – and, you know, I'm, I'm saying this with virtually no X's and O's <laughs> basketball experience. I think you throw Chetty Osmond on the bench. You throw Darius Garland on the bench. And you start Kevin Porter Jr., Alongside Collins, Se- even though I don't, I'm not a giant Colin Sexton fan, I'll be honest. Um, and then you throw those three bigs in there. Colin Sexton's gonna have someone to pass to.
0: Well, because he's, he's got cause he's, some not gonna, to...
1: he's not gonna have the lanes to drive on if, if he's got two big dudes clogging up the lane.
0: That's how we'll force him to get assists. Exactly. We're just gonna put people on our own team in his See, way.
1: Maybe, but... maybe this was Kobe Altman's plan all along. Is all along. i got to teach Colin Sexton how to not drive every time he has the ball and start <laughs> passing it to his his teammates.
0: Well, yeah, uh, an interesting stat that I heard today. Uh, Andre Drummond averages more assists per game than Colin Sexton. So,
1: <laughs> I was having this conversation last night with uh, with my cousin. Um, oh, man. Uh, Colin Sexton did surpass Tristan Thompson in average assists per game. That's so, insane. But here's, here's the shocker. Colin Sexton, as of yesterday, now I don't know what he did last night in terms of yeah. – I, I think he only had three assists last night if I, be, if I remember reading this. Stat. Sounds about right. Um, le, uh, as of yesterday, he had 2.6 assists per game for the season. And he was playing roughly 33 minutes a game, I think, is what I saw. Mm-hmm. Um, Matthew Delevadova is also averaging 2.6 assists per game. But he's only playing twelve minutes a game. <laughs> so in roughly twenty more minutes on the floor per game, he averages the same amount of assists as his backup. It's just so incredible. That that's a that's a concern. And and if I'm being honest, like I, I don't like follow just following the stats, you know that. But Colin Sexton's averaging nineteen, twenty points a game, I think, somewhere around there. Yeah, I, 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 he might be over that. I think he might, might be over 22, 20. 22 maybe. Yeah, but he's also like he's also averaging like 20 shots a game. Oh yeah, I mean he's
0: So, he's 10 of 20 at best every game. I mean, I reason. remember Brad, I remember
1: all the days we and I know LeBron's a unicorn, but like we'd brag about LeBron being like dude scored 38 points and he took 12 shots. <laughs> right. Like how that is was That was always hard? the discussion. So, you know, maybe we were spoiled for a long we were spoiled for a long time for a lot of reasons, with LeBron but no doubt, yeah, so I don't know we'll see how it goes it, as it, I'm following Terry's guidance on this one, and he said <laughs> it's 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 a low risk high reward type situation you know the worst yeah, case scenario, worst case scenario we get uh, Andre Drummond for thirty five games doesn't work out and he opts out in the offseason. oh well yeah oh, we well. wanted we wanted to get rid of guys like Brennan or Brandon Knight and, and John Henson anyway um, they were just taking up salary cap space on the roster anyway. It's not like we're you know going to be hurting they weren't playing much. So
0: yeah, I agree. It's it, I don't see the the downfall in it. So I look forward to the first game to see what it's like. Just let's just start four centers. The hell with it. I don't care.
1: <laughs> yeah, you got Laird coming off the bench too that we don't yeah. even talk about. And Auntie so,
0: Yeah, I mean, you know We're still going to stink, but let's see what happens.
1: I'm excited to watch it. I'm
0: still going to watch. I'm still going to watch because that's what I do. There Um, you go. But but speaking of trades, so even though the Indians didn't make one, uh, when I read that the Dodgers had traded for Mookie Betts, uh, that just intrigued me, you know, based on the uh, Francisco Lindor rumors uh, because, of course, the Dodgers were the team everybody had him going to. Mm -hmm. Uh, You know, and I I just went to Tribe Fest you know. Um,
1: yeah, talk last. about that real quick. What's that? Talk about that real quick.
0: Yeah, Tribe Fest, uh, I thought was super cool. I mean, uh, I wasn't expecting the fact that I was gonna have to stand outside in line for almost an hour to get in. So I definitely wasn't dressed for that scenario. So it was pretty cold. But <laughs> that aside, uh, going inside, super cool. I will say if if you have uh, young kids, whether it be your kids, nieces, nephews, whatever it is, if you want to take a kid to something that if they like sports at all, I know if, if I went into that place and I was eight years old, my head would literally explode. I mean, I'm 42 and it almost exploded. So it was uh, really super cool. So many cool activities. Indians players kind of just walking around everywhere, doing interviews here and there, stopping, signing autographs. Um, I mean, just inside this place, just, you know, batting cages, pitching cages. You get, I mean, we got our picture taken. Uh, with Greg Allen, which I thought was pretty cool. Like you just walk up, get your picture taken. Hey, what's up, Greg? He's like, Hey, how's it going? You know, like these guys are just (laughs) kind of hanging out and uh, just super awesome, man. I totally enjoyed it. Uh, The gem of the whole thing was I did get, I got to hand a baseball bat to Jose Ramirez and he signed it for me and gave it back. I mean, I know, like I just said, I might be 42. I don't care. I love Cleveland athletes and I love autographs. So Boom, that was another good one to add to my collection. Uh, along with, I got Brad Hand, signed a baseball, and met several other players, De Shields, uh, and so on. Uh, all kinds of autographs on baseball. It's got the bat, like I mentioned. Uh, Tribe Fest, super cool. I, uh, let's just say that this was my first time going. I now know what to expect. I'll be better prepared. So going into next year, uh, we'll know exactly what to do. I will have a way better game plan, and I expect to dominate Tribe Fest like no one ever has before.
1: It's a sport now, huh?
0: It's going to be. It's going to be a sport, (laughs) and I'm going to dominate it next year. It's going to be great. But, yes, I recommend Tribe Fest to anyone. I thought it was a great, great time. And uh, shout out to everybody who wanted to just, you know, as soon as I said I was going, you know, like I mentioned to you uh, on Twitter, I tweeted out my picture. It happened to get retweeted uh, a bunch of times, and comments were just all of a sudden flying off the roof, and 98% of those comments were People talking smack about the Dolans and about the Indians, which of course I still can't put my head around because the Cleveland Indians are the most successful Cleveland franchise by a million miles. Uh, the Browns have been bad forever. We already know that. Uh, the Cavs have only been good um, in the last twenty years when LeBron's here, and that's it. So, you know, the Indians have basically. Kind of been good since the 90s, except for just a couple snippets. I mean, <laughs> the Indians are always good, yet everybody hates on them the most. I know we talked about that, and it's annoying, but there's nothing we can do about it. But uh, I recommend you come to Tribe Fest with us next year for sure. No, Dan, I'll keep that in mind for sure. Yeah, we'll definitely have to check it out. But um, yeah, so I just want to touch on that. I just thought uh, as far as the, the Lindor thing, I thought it was interesting because You know, that's all the talk. You know, Lindor made his comments at TribeFest when he was interviewed that he says, hey, I want to stay in Cleveland. They just haven't made me the right offer yet. And some people got mad about that, of course, when it's just – that's just the fact. I mean, that's the fact. So, um, as you and I were speaking kind of, you know, throughout the week about it, I mean, it's going to be hard for Francisco Lindor not to just have to take the highest offer he can get because of the players' union and how they like to set that bar. I just kind of hope that maybe – if you know the Indians can at least be competitive, that you know, we're in a situation now where so many players are making so much money that if he doesn't, you know, if the biggest contract is 400 million and the Indians can pay him 300 million, and for some way, rhyme, or reason, he's willing to stay in Cleveland for that, that that would be okay. But I just don't know if it is, yeah. So, a, a
1: couple of things I want to bring up on that one is, um, I think. In in a roundabout way, this Mookie Betts trade to the Dodgers is going to help the Frankie situation with Cleveland because a team like the Red Sox traditionally does not run away from this type of uh signing. Like they, they were button heads with Mookie Betts on a contract extension. That's kind of what drove this trade. Right. Um they had made him offers of, I believe, around in the neighborhood of two hundred to two hundred and fifty million. He wanted They may they may have offered him like 200 million, if I remember hearing this right. And this is all just I don't dig in enough to Mookie Betts rumors. I'll be honest. (laughs) Um, From what I understand, it's it's the Red Sox offered him like a 200 million dollar contract. I don't know how many years that would have covered. Um, He came back with like he wanted 300 million. Then the Red Sox came back and offered him like 250 million. And then he came back and said, I want 400 million. Don't. And it's like, wait a second. So, so I think that that's when that stuff started coming out is when the, the Red Sox were essentially like, this isn't worth it. Um, and maybe the whole cheating thing kind of fell into this mix. Like, look, we, we might need to clean house because we just had to fire our manager, um, our star player. We can't, we don't want to give him the money he wants. Maybe this is time to kind of like clean it up a little bit. You know, the the, the Yankees were dominant last year. I, I don't know. I'm just I'm speculating from a from an Indians fan perspective. Sure, um, sure. For what the Red Sox are dealing with. But I think it kinda of helps the Indians because if a guy like Mookie Betts is like he's an MVP, right? And he's he won the AL MVP in twenty eighteen. They won the World Series that year. He got dealt because he couldn't come to an agreement with this team that traditionally pays people in these situations Um, that might be a sign of things to come in the league. I don't know if it's necessarily a good thing um, because maybe the players association might have something to say about it. But if, if the, the, the teams themselves are, are trying to put their foot down and say, look, we can't invest in a $400 million contract for a guy because we've seen what happens with guys like Miguel Cabrera in Detroit. You know he's thirty seven, thirty eight years old, and you would, if you saw him trying to run, you'd think he's eighty,
0: right? <laughs> like, right.
1: but they but they still owe him thirty five million dollars a season for the next two seasons, three seasons, and he's in his late thirties. So maybe front offices and, and ownership groups and teams are starting to get a little bit wiser on that for certain things. Certain se- now, I, I don't anticipate a guy like Mookie Betts who's. Probably five eleven, all of hundred and seventy-five pounds, lumbering around the bases like Miguel Cabrera is in his late thirties. You know? Right. Like I think it's it's a player to player situation, obviously. And I don't think I don't see Frankie Lindor in that circumstance either, because I think Frankie's twenty-six. So yeah, you, Blake- you you sign him to a ten year deal now, his final season's at thirty six. I don't see him lumbering around the bases like Miguel Cabrera at thirty six. Correct. So I think he warrants these. this. And, and Mike Trout just got this kind of deal. Bryce Harper just got this kind of deal. So it's common for like the superstars, the super superstars. Um, I think maybe this might start to, to turn the, the corner for, for teams and front offices that, look, if the Red Sox are bypassing this kind of contract, maybe that gives the teams a little bit more power. Um, but then again, you could also have the Dodgers that are like, "Screw it, we're going to give Frankie Lindor ten years, three hundred fifty million dollars if we get a chance." Right. So you, you I mean, you never know. Like, it, all it takes is one team, right? Um, personally, I, I think that if if Mookie Betts couldn't get a deal worked out with a team that notoriously spends and spends and spends, that might be a good thing for the Indians. Um, we'll see, obviously. And I think Frankie is. He's trying to to make sure that he's the good guy in the situation, and and I'm not going to uh, discourage that. I'm not going to 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 say that he's he's not doing the right thing. I truly think he does want to play in Cleveland. I think that that's like like Victor Martinez back in the day before we traded him. He was devastated when he got traded because he was 16 years old when he signed with the Indians, right? And then he had to get traded when he was in his late 20s. So he spent you know. A third of his life in the Cleveland Indians organization, and I think the same goes for Frankie. He spent a third of his life in the Indians organization. He'd like to see it through, possibly. And and by all counts that I've heard, he's not a big New York guy. He's not a big market. He, uh, d- despite what some people may say that he needs to be in a big market, he I've heard from people that he is not a big market. Like he doesn't like New York. He he I think he grew up in South Florida. But it's not like he grew up in uh, New York or L.A. or, you know, any of these major markets, Chicago, that everybody thinks that you have to be in in order to make money as a professional athlete. Um,
0: I was so, going to say, uh, you said he doesn't want to play in New York. Blasphemy. It's impossible. Everybody wants to play there no matter
1: what. Uh, yeah, some people think that he's he's destined to play in New York because he's the one of the best athletes and he wants to play in New York because that's where the best athletes make the most money. Um. Not to to go down that road, but the state income tax in New York is apparently really stupid. So, (laughs) like, okay, whatever. Um, I digress. Um, The other thing I wanted to point out, and I know I've I've rambled on long enough at this point, but um, one of the things that discourages me about the Frankie Lindor situation, I'm trying to go both sides of this, is the Indians have been really good at the most difficult part in building a team. And that's developing talent and acquiring young talent. Correct. And like you see the pitching staff that we have now. Like I was trying to talk with Mike, our baseball guy. Um, like who's going to start on opening day? We don't really know because we have four guys that are capable of doing it and everybody would be okay with it. Um, so it's like, all right, that's a good problem to have. That's awesome. And they, and and most of these guys were developed in the Indian system, which is amazing. It's even cooler. And they're all making very little money. And then you look at the roster, and there's a lot of guys similar to that situation. A lot of guys in the lineup are on very small contracts because they are, whether their MLB um, eligibility is, is so low or, or however long that they've served in the league, however that works, they have a lot of very cheap contracts that they're working with. That is a, that's an asset in and of itself. And the Indians have been really, really good at this for the last decade. They're good at at finding young talent and developing that so they don't have to pay outlandish salaries and they can put all these guys together at the same time. That's the most difficult thing in baseball these days, or at least in pro sports these days, is developing your young talent. And when you have this kind of opportunity, that's when you go and spend on elite talent to bring in to uh, to. Uh, to add to that. And this is where you go spend on your homegrown talent that does become elite talent. You know, they, they, they signed uh, Jose Ramirez to an extension a couple years back at just a dirt cheap price compared to what he's uh, produced since then. Um, They did the same thing with Corey Kluber years ago and and the contract inflated to the point where they had to trade him, which, you know, we've already covered that. Um, They did the same with Carlos Carrasco they're paying him a very team friendly deal. Um I think uh Mike Clevenger is going to be up for that kind of extension soon. Just uh Justin Bieber, Jesus. Uh Shane Bieber. Uh he's going to come up with the same uh type of like these guys that they're they're going to get team friendly deals because the Indians are really good at doing this. They've got Frankie at uh pennies on the dollar right now, even though he's I think his salary this year is what would we come up with 18 million this year. Is that what his, his something arbitration like that. figure was? Something yeah, like that? something like that. But they developed him to the point where, yeah, you, you've created an elite baseball player. You you helped develop him into who he is right now. Cash in on that when you have the opportunity. And the Indians don't do that enough, if at all. And that's what really <laughs> bothers me about the situation. Is you've done the hard part and you've done it really well. Now it's like, why don't you cash in when you have the opportunity? And, and that's what kind of scares me.
0: Right and I would agree with that. And, you know, to your point that you made, um, I think another thing that possibly, as you mentioned with the Mookie Betts thing and then moving on from them and maybe, hey, maybe that lends it to think maybe teams or think twice about just pouring all their money into one player, because then what? Well, the Washington Nationals are another example of that. You know, they, They let the big guy go. They let Bryce Harper go. They didn't sign it. And what did they do?
1: they won the world <laughs> series they
0: won the world series now again that scares me because i want to keep francisco lindor but like you just to your point maybe that lends to the fact of hey look you know the how these contracts keep going up and up and up and up maybe we're to the point where like okay we we've we we've hit a ceiling okay we can't just get to the point where now we're 500 million for a player 600 million for one player you're getting to the point where like there's just a ceiling and we we've hit it and Teams are going to have to start to back down a little bit because it's like, yeah, we want Francisco Lindor, and so does Team X, Y, and Z. But whichever team gets them, is it going to get you a championship, or is it going to get you strapped to where you can't do anything?
1: So, yeah, that's it's it's a tough game to play in in the big leagues yeah, these days. That is a
0: that's a, you're walking a fine fine line, and uh, it um, I don't like it because again, I want Francisco Lindor here. He's probably my favorite Indian of all time at this
1: point. So. I think honestly and I, I, we've probably covered it. I think that uh the the risk of not re-signing him to a, a large extension um I think the risk of of not doing that is you're going to lose a lot of fans and and you're you're back to square one with trying to to build up a fan base like the, he uh, the the ownership complains about not having enough uh, fans in the seats, which it's baseball. That's, that's my contention is it's just baseball. It's, it's 2020. People don't like baseball the way they used to. That's all it comes down Not all it comes down to, but that's a, it's the sport of baseball is too slow for people's attention spans these days. And I'm not going to go down my, my get off my lawn take there, but um, you know, you're struggling to put butts in the seats already because of the sport itself and if you end up letting a guy go because you just don't want to pay him what he's worth like you're gonna lose more fans because the city of Cleveland loves that dude and he's he's bringing like those people that do come and and go to those games and buy those jerseys and you're gonna lose a lot of those people because they're like we don't have Frankie Lindor anymore okay I don't need to go to these games I have nothing nothing to watch anymore. And they're already looking for a
0: reason to be mad at the Indians because people are always looking. They're looking for a reason to be mad at the
1: Indians most of the time. I think that the fact is you have a a championship caliber team with him right now, and it's your job to do everything in your power to make sure that that window stays open as long as you can. But it's not my money, so I I don't even know. know, It's easy for me to say.
0: (laughs) It sure is. Well, if they want to let me have their money to make those hard decisions, I'd be happy to jump on board. Uh for, for that as well. But I trust um,
1: Antonetti and, and Chernoff as as much as anybody to make the right decisions. I just I, I don't know if they're being empowered to do everything that they need to. Correct. Correct. Well, let's hope that they can and
0: let's hope that uh Frankie is there for a long, long time. Uh I'm hoping to be there for opening day, so you know. Yeah. Well, we'll be there for Opening Day. Regardless, we already know that that'll be the case, as we we don't miss Opening Day, so we know he'll be there at least for that. So we have that to look forward to. Um, but something that you had brought up, so before we get out of here, I, I had to I had to jump on this because you 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 texted it to me like a week ago, and so I jotted it down real quick in my notes, and so I have it here. So I didn't want to move on because you didn't even you gave me no details. So I've been actually thinking about this ever since you sent it to me and all my note says is self-checkout etiquette. Now I, I, I'm, I'm assuming you're talking about self, self-checkout at like a grocery store, right? Yes, or at a, a, a no-name discount shopping outlet. Sure, okay, fine. Self. So my mind immediately starts running rampant because, you know, especially because I've already told like so many stories on this podcast about grocery store uh, situations that I've been in. So that was the first thing that I went to, and I immediately started thinking of all these funny things that I've witnessed, or, you know, or maybe that I'm doing wrong. So I, I just needed to hear your story. So I, I didn't want to end this episode <laughs> without getting into whatever this topic was
1: about. All right. So, so I, I will say it because it, it doesn't really matter at this point. We're not that far along. Um, I went to Walmart uh, last week, and it was, it, it Walmart in a near a big city is Walmart's a disaster regardless of where you are. Right.
0: Sure. Mm -hmm. But if you, if you're near
1: a, near a big city, it's, it's even more insane. So um, I was at the Walmart and I just had to get a handful of things, right. Enough to use the self checkout because you know, that's the purpose of it is to, to take a few things that you, you don't need to, you know, do your full shopping um in order to use self-checkout and and usually speeds things up you don't have to wait in the long line everybody knows what the purpose is right
0: sure i i love self-checkout use it all the time there is there was
1: when i hopped in line there were a good seven or eight people in front of me and all the self-checkout things were in use there's eight of them eight to ten of them okay so time you know add it up and there's like 20 people that are still in front of me finishing and I'm like, all right, well, you know, it's a busy day. This will, this will go quickly. And it just, it just dragged. And I'm like, what the hell is going on? <laughs> I look, there is a, and now this is another thing I'll touch on in a second, but there is a, uh, uh, a family that is at the self-checkout, the first one on the inside, like right there for everybody to see, um, they have an entirely full cart of groceries and things that they needed. A, a cart full to the brim, like overflowing. <laughs> yes. they are doing the self-checkout with this. Okay. And, and my first question was why <laughs> Um, like that just, that, that's all, that's all work you have to do. Right. Right. Now I, I have, I have theories of why that some people do that choose to do that. They can sneak things in that, you know, Just people being bad people. I can see that. But they seem to be scanning every single item, bagging it, and then putting it back in the cart, and then scanning the next item, bagging it. Like, it just went on for, it seemed like, days. (laughs) (laughs) These people, that they filled up, they did their entire month's worth of shopping and then took it to the self-checkout. So I'm like, you know, there are signs that say, you know, this is, regular checkout or this is express checkout, 20 items or less.
0: Right. Should there be
1: an item or less situation with the self checkout? Just one item or less? No, just like a a specific number of, like if you have to use a cart, this isn't your aisle type situation. (laughs) I thought that self checkout automatically
0: was like 15 items or less or something. Am I completely wrong on that? I I don't
1: know anymore. Like this, this threw me off, (laughs) but and, and. and to top that, there was four people. That It was a family of four that was doing this. And now, like, I'm not going to, to rag on the kids about it that were with the, the parents. But it, why does it seem like every trip to Walmart has to be a family affair?
0: Oh, it sure is. Because, you know,
1: in, in a Walmart parking lot, when it's crowded, when the parking lot itself, like you're parking, you know, we've talked about this, you're parking an extra like quarter mile away. Where, they, right. where people leave, where people leave random carts.
0: Where they yes? where they leave the shopping carts? So and
1: so if if the cars are that far, like think about like the average. That's at least one person, <laughs> <laughs> and and a good amount of these cars are filled with three to five people. Think about how many people are in a Walmart at any given time.
0: Man, I don't even. I don't like it anymore. I don't like I don't that. E-
1: it, it, it bothered the hell out of me, and like I'm just sitting here watching this entire family go through self checkout with their entire month's worth of groceries, and I'm thinking like, this wasn't the purpose of this setup.
0: Like, what just happened here?
1: I lost, I lost a good twenty minutes of my life just letting this happen, and you know,
0: you're never getting I, I, that back
1: either. I didn't know what to, I didn't know what else to do.
0: So, did you just stay in the line until?
1: Yeah, I wasn't getting in a regular line, man. Those were even longer,
0: especially since. So, however many people you just, you know, if we did the math and you know the parking lot, that many cars, this many people per car, that's how many people are in a Walmart. And then, of course, aside from the self checkout, there's three cash registers open. You know, we all know exactly
1: exactly. We all know that's two of of them are are twenty items or less.
0: (laughs) So there's really
1: one. There's there's one option.
0: Of yeah. Of, or you try check- to steal it
1: and, and that's not happening. So,
0: so the, what we're getting at here is whether it be a grocery store or something of, of the like, um, there's obviously a lot of questionable things happening from the bagging situations, which I've covered, the grocery cart situations <laughs> that we've covered, and now the <laughs> self-checkout things that we've covered. Like, like I, these, things
1: were, these things were established for simplicity. They were established to help everyone's experience. And And we're going
0: backwards. We're going way backward. So maybe what we need to make a movement to is, I'm sure you've seen this going around over the past probably couple months. Uh, Like, for example, somebody wearing a T-shirt that says, stop standing up on the plane. (laughs) Yeah. Right. You know what I'm talking about? Like these examples, like stop standing up on the plane, which, and everyone still does it, even though everyone, it's one of those things that interests me about like, just, I don't know, humans. Everybody seems to talk about the same thing, but that everybody still does it. So I'm confused. Like everybody says that the people that stand up on an airplane when it lands annoys them. I've never heard anybody give me anything to the contrary. Like no one's ever like defended that like ever. This has been brought up for since airplanes have been around probably. I mean, how many times you've been sitting around where you're at a bar, you're hanging out with people when this conversation comes up. 100 percent of the people involved say yes i hate that but then how how can it still happen then I we're, just don't understand we don't that. we don't hang
1: around with the, the those types of people
0: maybe that's it like that's the thing if you stand up on an airplane i guess we probably wouldn't be friends
1: our our squad our squad is is uh is pretty simple
0: yeah we really are we we enjoy the the simple things and we're, we're tight knit we, we stay close and- <laughs> so I, I hope that there's at least one person that listens to this that stands up on the airplane and they just send me the most nasty email defending it because I just want to see if any of these people are real. Now,
1: now, I get it in a sense. It's like you're the first row. It's like, I'm okay. about to get off this plane. I want to get my stuff. Get going. Cool. But if look, you're in the, if you're in the back of the plane – yeah, look, just if you caught like stay, I fly, stay comfortable. You're, you're not going anywhere for any time, uh, yeah, for a while. Yeah,
0: when you're in 22C, like I am, okay, when that plane lands, you don't have to stand up and get your bag. And you sure as heck don't have to try to, you know, walk up a few rows, like as if, one, that's going to save you so much time. And, two, it's also just, I mean, the douchiest of duciousness to do. Like, don't do that. Yeah. Just wait your turn i don't know it's crazy that everybody talks about it but yet it still happens sort of like driving you know everybody will tell you how everybody else is a bad driver at some (laughs) point at some point you're actually talking to the bad driver because nobody ever says oh yeah that's me man i'm i'm the worst the odds suggest so yeah no one ever says that but uh I, i digress on that moment on that point but uh so I mean I think we covered all of the sports. Did
1: you have anything else you wanted to touch on uh, here uh, in this our weekly update here? Uh, I don't think so, unless unless I texted you something else this week that caught
0: your attention. But I I, I don't. If you did, I didn't save it in my notes section, which means it, it fell right out of one of my ears shortly thereafter. So it was it wasn't
1: important enough.
0: Yeah, it, it wasn't, and I I tend to do that as much as I can. But I, I, I would be remiss if I forgot to say in this episode that uh. The Golden State Warriors still suck. So I just wanted to pass that along. They um, do. They blow. They blow. And they, they even traded away one of their better players but, today.
1: But they did kick our ass the other day. so They did. They did.
0: But I don't care. They still yeah. suck. And now they have Andrew Wiggins.
1: Oh, so. and, oh yeah. That, that's fun. Um, yeah. Pitchers and catchers report next week. Oh, yes, they do. And I think we're under – 50 days until opening day I believe it's 49 as of today yeah seven seven weeks from today is is opening day that is all so awesome so yeah um you know hopefully next year we'll be at spring training for for a few days I hope so Um, and if, if if you know we have enough support we could do a show or two from there and oh that'd be awesome catch some more attention yeah some more uh, be... some more some more friends that way yep so i would we'll love see. that
0: yeah
1: i would love that i'm, we'll I'm kind go. of
0: i got some crazy ideas in my head for when you uh once you make the journey back up here to the land so i have some really cool ideas for things that we're going to see if we can pull off but we'll save that for another time sure thing. so all right well i think that'll wrap it up then there folks so as always thank you all for listening uh i didn't uh Get to it right off the top, but if you stuck around this long to listen, then that means you must like what you're listening to. So just go to chucktoxalot.com. All the platforms are there where you can listen. And please subscribe, follow, retweet at Chuck Go Browns. Uh, John, what are you on Instagram again? John, John, the Browns fan. John, John, the Browns fan. And that's uh, J O N. J O N, J yeah, O N. That's right. No H's because H's are ill. So. <laughs> Uh, Nice touch. Yeah, so uh, with that note, as again, uh, at Chuck Browns on Twitter, uh, follow, retweet, all that good stuff. Um, Help us out. Keep spreading the word. Try to get some more listeners, followers, and all that other jazz. So other than that, we will wrap this thing up. We'll get back at you guys next week at some point. And uh, until then, as I always like to say at the end of the show, don't look down on somebody unless you're helping them up. Until next time, folks, y'all be good. We will see you on the flip side. And I have no idea why I just said that. So, see ya.